0: to have Karen Williams with us. Now, she was a guest back in the first season, back in 2019. And I can't even remember where her and I met, but we kind of instantly became kindred spirits. We're both in the the same field. We both love helping people with, with their books and publishing. And we both just really felt, that you know even though we're both in the same field there really is no competition between us and so I wanted to invite her back to get an update from her and also find out what's been going on and what are some new things that she has some hints and tips to share with us today and she told me she wanted to share on self-funding and self-validating your book so I am so looking forward to this conversation welcome back to the show Karen
1: Thank you, Kim. Thank you for having me again. And I I can't believe it when I look when when I look back and it was November 2019 when we spoke originally. I think I was um, episode 10. I think something like that.
0: I know it was so long ago, but I am so glad to have you back. So one of the things I've been asking our returning guests, because a lot of them were either on just before COVID or at the beginning of COVID, what has happened to your business during covid like has it has it been like a struggle has it been great what have you been finding in your business during these times
1: well, it's really interesting because there's a there's a couple of things that have happened for me one is Probably around the time we were speaking, I was looking at putting my one-to-one programme online. And in March, for some reason, I was triggered to do that. So one of the things that we did really quickly, myself and my colleague, within about five weeks, we got my one-to-one programme online. And to be honest, that has been absolutely amazing. I've taken about 60 people through it now over the last 18 months or so. And we've had Quite a few people having their books published as a result of it, and so my colleagues been doing some interviews recently just to find out some of the things they've learned from it. So for me, COVID—it's oh been challenging for everyone, hasn't it? But in terms of my business, it's been really busy. I think as as a book mentor, one of the things I find or have found is that COVID did two things. One of two things, either force people to write their book because they suddenly realized I had time they had the energy to do it and for some people they went oh my god I've got all of this to do and they didn't write their book and they'll wish they had because they got so caught up in the doing stuff but not doing their book whereas actually they would have been better taking a step back to take a step forward and actually get their blooming book done so that's that's kind of my experience of Covid Um, I also created a planner and a journal myself, launched those, um, where are we now? Beginning of this year. So a lot's been happening over the last, um, yeah, 20 months or so.
0: Yeah. Like, you know, COVID hit, my business exploded because, you know, the time excuse for all of my clients was no longer Mm -hmm. there.
1: You know, they kept
0: saying, oh, Kim, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. Right. And uh, yeah, now they had the time and, you know, it was like, okay, we're moving forward. I'm like, Yes, I love this. Right. Uh, So, yeah, like me, like you, you know, this has been very busy for me, you know, but not everybody has had that experience. Right. And so that's Mm -hmm. why I'm talking to all of our guests, because, you know, for some COVID was this thing that their businesses exploded. And for others, you know, we know. So I know so many entrepreneurs who, you know, have struggled through this time Mm. and you know that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about these things because you know either way there are lessons that can be learned from it and I think Mm. you just gave an incredibly valuable lesson you know the the lesson is is the only time to do anything is now absolutely absolutely it is and if you can't do it now
1: do it (laughs) soonish why wait? Why wait? And I think I do find that so many people come up with the excuse, of, I haven't got time. I haven't got this. You know, it's never the right time to write a book, but actually you've got to do it some, you know, if you don't do it now, when will it ever get done? And I would hate people to not do it and get to, you know, get to the end of their life and go, I really wish I had when actually yeah. they had the opportunity there in front of them to do it. And actually it doesn't have to be as complicated as people often think it is when they've got support like you or I help them through the process. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think too, it, it's just a matter of, you know, it's a commitment that you make, mm-hmm. right? And it's like anything else, especially, you know, if you're writing a book for your business or anything else, you have to schedule it into your time. You have to mm-hmm. not make it the priority, but you make it a priority so mm-hmm. that, you know, for this period of time, you have committed yourself to working on your book. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, like people think it takes years to write a book. No, it doesn't. If you're consistent. And like you said, if you have the right mentoring and coaching and you and I each have a slightly different field, you mentor people. I actually do the most of the process for people. But again, you know, you know, my job is a lot of mentoring throughout, right. Even though we're doing most of the work for the client, there's still a whole lot of mentoring because something I've always wanted to ask you about. And just, I just really curious to see if this is your experience do you find your clients get about halfway through the book and they stall out? It's almost, it's almost like the reality of the book is, it's become real. And they're like, like, I I don't even know if people, I want people to see this. Like, have you had that experience?
1: Yeah. I think there's various stages that people get stuck. Some people get stuck before they get started and they never start it. But those who, those who start get stuck somewhere normally anyway, either it's time or it's, a lot of the time, time is the excuse, but actually, mindset is the thing that gets in their way. They suddenly say, "I haven't got time to do it," blah blah blah. When actually, it's their—they suddenly have a little bit of a, a blocker to actually help you know stop, that stops them moving forward. And if they don't get over that blocker, they will never get their book out there. So, one of the things that you mentioned a moment ago, Kim, was about self-validation, and well, I think self-validation is so important. And what I mean by that, and I think it's probably pertinent to go into that now, is that once you One of my biggest pieces of advice is to advise people to start talking about their book from the moment they start writing it, if not before they start writing it. Because if you're going to be an authority, which we both talk the same language, they need to start talking about it. They've got to do research. They've got to start sharing it on social media. They've got to build their community as they write it. All of that is so important. And actually, a lot of that can help them to overcome the blockers as well. Because when there's people in their community saying, hey, when's your book coming out? They're more likely to do it than if they keep it to themselves and don't tell a single soul about it. Um, But yeah, you're
0: right. It happens. You know, and and something I've been seeing in my clients, it's almost like, you know, they hit that point. And sometimes it's mid third, two thirds, whatever. But you're right. They hit that point. And it's almost like imposter syndrome kicks in. You know, they're, they're like, you know, who am I to write a book? Right. And they they don't they start to question themselves. They start to question their knowledge. You know, you know, is my book really going to be something that makes a difference in people's lives? Right. And, and so they start to question all these things. And you kind of have to like just gently walk them through that, that, yeah, your book is valuable. You know, mm-hmm. is your book going to be everybody's cup of tea? That's what I say to them. You know is your book of no, but we're not writing your book to everyone, right? You're writing yeah. your book to a specific group of people who are going to benefit from it.
1: Mhm. Yeah, totally agree with that. I totally agree. And that's the thing. It's, you know, there are, there's so many secrets to, to success in, in terms of an authority book. So it's about niching. It's about really being clear on your client, knowing that, you know, and it's that whole stick in your head above the parapet. When you start to actually show what you believe in, then sometimes it's about courage as well and bravery. You're starting to share things that maybe people have never heard from you before. And that can, that can take guts. And you have to get over anything that's holding you back because you can't serve other people if you keep your stuff, your knowledge and your stories to yourself. Mm.
0: And, you know, one other thing I explained to my clients, too, is, you know, there's that group of people at the top, you know, who are going to love your book, who are going to be your brand ambassadors, you know, who love your message. But, you know, on the other end, there's those people at the bottom and it doesn't matter what you do. They're going to hate you. They're going to hate your message and sometimes even actively promote against it. You know, and 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 my thing is, is just ignore them, <laughs> mm. right? Because you can spend all of your time trying to change their mind and you're not.
1: Well, it's simple maths at the end of the day, isn't it? In terms of the more people who know about you, the more people who are going to love you, the more people who won't like you. So it's, you know, the more you get out there and the more more you're going to get back. Um, but it is about making sure that you really focus on those who absolutely love what you do, who value what you do, who, who rave about you. And give them more of what they're looking for.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, like I've published quite a few books over the years. And to be honest, I've had some really nasty Amazon reviews. And I I had to laugh at one of them. Okay. So the book was titled Network Marketing Recruiting. And I got this nasty Amazon review saying, I didn't know this book was about MLM and, and, and building a business. I'm just like, yeah, I'm just (laughs) right. I didn't know how bad the book was, but I'm like, okay. Like I could not make the title any clearer. Right. Like, you know, this was, you know, I wasn't trying to do clickbait. Right. Like I wasn't trying to create a title just to get you to read it and be about something else. Right. So I'm just like, I'm like, okay, I think I'm just going to let that one go, but you know, let's have this quick discussion on reviews because I think, Mm. you know, sometimes people misunderstand reviews. So for me, like you're going to always have those top people who love your book, but the reviews that I love are the three-star ones because many times the three-star ones are like, okay, this book is good, but there's this. Right. And I read the But there's this because those are the areas where you can make improvements on your book or improvements in your writing or, you know, just general Mm -hmm. improvements so that your next writing is better. Or if you update the book, you could fix those small things and make the book even better. Like, have you found that's your experience as well? Yeah, because the poorer
1: poorer reviews are the ones, you know, makes you realise that they're real. So it's not just, you know, the author's friends saying, hey, this book is brilliant, let's give it five-star reviews. Actually, when you get a one-star, a two-star, a three-star, a four-star, it makes it real. And yeah, I love love your philosophy, Kim, around the three-star reviews. Now, I remember the first time for my first book back in 10 years ago, I got my first one-star review. And, you know, there was probably, I don't know, 60 five-star reviews, one, one-star review. Which one did I focus on?
0: The yeah. one-star review. <laughs> yeah, of course,
1: of course. But hey, again, you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. So that's the thing, you know, you've got to learn, you know, we're learning all the time. And I, I, I run a group program and I had a conversation with them, some of them this morning. And, you know, it is all about going, knowing that, you know, you're never going to know everything that needs to go in your book there's always going to be more than one book i'm next week i'm going away to work on my ninth book there's always going to be more things that you can update you can learn you can share you can explore it's never going to be complete and that's okay so we just have to keep on learning keep on doing keep on evolving as we go through it and okay. um, that's another thing with a book you know people think it needs to be 100 perfect before you publish it but actually it's good enough for now And you can do a second edition a third edition fourth edition write another book perfectly acceptable
0: To be honest, the book's never going to be perfect. I mean, okay, let's just even stick out content. Let's just stick to grammar. Okay. You've got what? Canada has two or three versions of grammar. The United States has three or four. UK probably has a couple. Australia probably has a couple. Those are like the four main English speaking countries, right? So, how do you ever even get anything grammatically perfect in this English speaking world when there's what? 10 different forms of grammar.
1: You can't. Can you? And even the best with the best editor and proofreader in the world, there's always going to be things that slip through. As long as the book is not absolutely covered in it, which which means it hasn't been grammatically checked or spell checked or anything. You know, it happens. I know some of my books have got typos in it. You know, there's not much you can do about it. All you can do is correct it. When if you know about it, you can correct it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like I had a client, we published his book. Um, He had sold probably by this point, 2000 copies of his book. And he came back to me and this was probably about like 18 months later. And he said, Kim, one of my clients found a typo formatting mistake. I mean, this book had been proofread 10 times. (laughs) Thousands of people had read this book and no one (laughs) had noticed this. Right. So it's like, you know, your book doesn't have to be perfect. And, and, You know, I think that's a mindset that you really have to get out of is that your book will never be perfect. Accept that. And like you said, you can either fix the mistakes, re-upload it. That's the amazing thing about Amazon. You know, just fix the mistakes, upload it. It's done. You don't even have to tell anybody. Everybody just, you know, from then on, you do a new edition, you update it. Right. Got to be careful about that, though, because here's something that I I learned about uh, new editions is that it kind of strips out all your reviews.
1: Yeah, it does. I've, I've had that. When I, I, did a, um, I did a second edition of your book as a hook um, back in 2017, didn't change the content particularly, probably updated just a few percent of the content, new cover, lost all of my reviews. So now obviously you go on and you go and look at it. And I know some of people have redone the reviews, but whereas it used to have oh, probably about 60, 70, now there's a handful. And that is just such a shame when you do have to do a second edition when you lose the reviews. Now, Amazon can sometimes mm-hmm. will link the two, but more often or not, they treat it as a brand new book, which is devastating when you've taken all that time and energy to get the reviews out there. Yeah, I think it really depends on how much you sh- how much you change and how much you keep as is. But yeah, new cover, new, new um, ISBN, new book.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, you be, might be better off just maybe to update a little bit. Like, I think if you're kind of mm-hmm. updating, like, maybe less than 10%, like, about 5% of it, I don't think Amazon's going to really bother you about that. Like, if you update a few sentences, maybe add a paragraph or something here and there. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's too big of a deal. But, yeah, you would change the cover the ISBN. Yeah. Like, I had that with one of my clients. He wanted to put out a second edition, and he, like, had 150-plus reviews. I'm like, yeah, I don't think we're going to do that. Because you're going to be starting all over again, right? So we just updated the book a little bit, you know, some minor stuff. And he just let people knew that there was, you know, he had updated it, right? So, yeah, yeah, I I get it. Yeah, I I don't think that's fair with Amazon. Like, you're you're not writing a new book. You're just, it's a new edition. So it really shouldn't be. But anyway, that's uh, not much we can do about it. I wanted to talk to you. Um, you you mentioned self-funding. So I would love mm-hmm. for you to explain that and just share some things you've learned about that.
1: Yeah. So when I created my um, Smart Author System online program last year, I kind of looked at my own stuff and I thought, what do I do that's different from other people? Mm-hmm. What do I do that makes me unique? And I kind of started to model my own my own process, my own system. I'd written a book the year before, which kind of put it into a, a prince, you know, six, uh, 10 principles. But the thing that really makes me different, I believe, is the fact I focus on the self-funding element. So what I mean by that is that when you start talking about it as you write it, you can get business off the back of your book before it's published. So let me give you an example. So one of my ladies, um, one of my clients, she um, did some interviews so there's seven ways you can self-fund a book or seven ways that I talk about and she did some interviews so she went back to previous clients she went back to clients she worked with she wanted to do some research within her area of expertise and just check out some of the content in the book and she got business off the back of her book before she'd written it and actually the amount of business she's had off the back of it has actually stalled her book so it's a double-edged sword there but she got five grand's worth of business the last time I spoke to her which was a few months ago now So that is one way of doing it. Another way of doing it is sponsorship. Um, I had a client do this um, quite a few years ago. So she's in the e-commerce email marketing space and she had other email providers sponsor her book. So in in return for a financial investment into the process, she delivered webinars, she gave them copies of the book, she allowed them to put a case study. So it was kind of win-win in that situation. Mm. Some people may have heard of crowdfunding, another way of doing it, surveys, surveys. So basically, there's seven main key ways that you can you can self-fund a book, um, create a course off the back of it as you're writing it. So there's all sorts of ways in which you can do it. So writing a book for most people, it's not necessarily a write a book in a weekend or write a book in 30 days. And actually, I believe that if you do that, you can the book isn't going to be as good as it could be. So if you're looking at a book taking say nine months to a year you want to be able to recoup the financial investment in a mentor in the publishing in the pr and anything else that you're you're investing in and actually if you if you flip it on its head and you think okay how can I fund this book as I write it you're more likely to get success and if you've got the interviews the research going on it's amazing what opportunities can land in your lap just because you're raising your profile you're talking about it so that's that's my opinion when it comes to self-funding. It's, it's just flipping on its head and looking at your return on investment from the business, the, what the book does for your business rather than the book itself. Yeah. The biggest mistake is when people focus on book sales and they focus on nothing else because you're never going to recoup your investment there. But yeah. if you focus on how does this book fit into my business right now and how can I leverage it, that's when it's going to get the most success.
0: Yeah. And I, I love those ideas. And, you know, one idea that I really focus on in with my clients, because most of my clients already, you know, kind of know how to sell and, and get leads and stuff like that. So we use it as a way of uh, increasing their conversion. So, you know, a lot of times we'll create a sample book out of the first couple of chapters and, you know, even I've done this with my author to authority book is that, you know, as I was reaching out, generating the leads and whatever, you know, I'd have the conversations with them. If the time wasn't quite right, okay, you know, uh, maybe they need a little bit more time. A couple of weeks later, I'd send them the sample of the book. They'd start reading the book. I would connect with them about the sample, you know, it was another communication point. And a lot of times, once they started reading the book, they're like, okay, I need to get moving on mine. Right. So the book kind of just became that little education point and proving my own authority and keeping me in mind. Right. So it's not like one of those things where they, I just kind of fall off the map. Right. Because I have this system. They get a little sample of the book. Now, once the Mm -hmm. full book is published, you know, there will be leads that I'll either see send the full PDF to or I will actually mail out the book to them. Right. Depending on on the client and the lead. And so, you know, that's a way of using your book to keep you in mind of your clients. And again, like you said, it proves authority. When you've Mm -hmm. written the book on something, you become the authority on something. And so now people are like, oh, she's not just saying that she knows what she's talking about. Here's the proof. So it makes you, you know, it makes getting clients easier
1: yeah, one of my clients, so she did um so she just literally launched her book this month. What she did with her research is she turned the research into an ebook. So when she did, she did a survey. She had quite a few people do the survey. She turned, she turned it into an ebook. A lot of the content from the ebook went into her physical book, and she really, it really enabled her to start nurturing her community. And she got so many leads off the back of it in terms of speaking engagements, asked to write articles on her topic, um, that it helped her to build that authority as she was writing it, and it helped her to get in front of more people. So it's a, it's a brilliant thing to do. Whether it's a sample, whether it's a kind of a snippet, it's all links, doesn't it? It's sort of the snippet kind of links to the book and whether it's a sample a couple of chapters or whether it's something, you know, related ebook. It's all about doing the same job at the end of the day, being in the forefront of your, your ideal readers and
0: ideal clients' minds. I, I so agree. Now we've got a couple of minutes left. So I want to talk about your book writing journal. I, I love that concept. So tell me about it. And, you know, who would be the perfect person to use this journal?
1: Yeah, so I created two um, last year. So the Planner, which is more of a sort of planning process. It takes you through the process I tend to uh, go through with clients. But the Journal is purely a journal. So it's a space where you can actually write. So there's hints, there's tips... And there's loads and loads of space. So there's like loads of sort of tips. So if you um, if you're the sort of person who likes to free write or you like to journal, this is perfect for you because it enables you to get your ideas out of your head down on paper. If you've done the planning and then you want to actually look at, OK, so what are my subjects? What are my headings? You know, you can use it for mind maps and there's all sorts of hints and tips in here as well. So this is ideal for what is that? I work with nonfiction business owners, business experts, but actually you could use this whatever type of author you are because it just gives you that space. Most of us, we have, you know, if I look at my desk right now, I have got tons of notebooks on it. When you've got a notebook just for your book, which I advise my clients to do, I know loads of them, I look at the corner of my desk, I don't even go there. (laughs) But actually, when you've got something like that, which is just your book, take it with you, put it by the side of your bed. Um, Keep it with you if you go out for your walk. You know, it's handbag size for us women. So you could put it in your handbag and take it on a train or in the car or something like that. Um, Yeah. So that's what it's designed for is to get the ideas out of your head into one place. The other thing that I find, I don't know if you're like this, Kim, is that I will write things down where I'm inspired. It could be on the back of an envelope. It could be on Evernote. It could be on Word. It could be in my notebook. And then I go to find it and go, where the hell did I put it? If you've got one place to put everything, you're going to find it and it's going to save you loads and loads of time. <laughs> I'm a Post-it note person myself.
0: <laughs> yeah, I got a wall full of Post-it notes and I like got a desk full of Post-it notes. And, you know, about every month I go through all the Post-it notes I'm like, okay, this one I got to keep, this one I got to keep, these ones, (laughs) get them out of the pile. (laughs) Oh, I I love that. And, and, you know, when I was writing my first book, um, I had so many ideas going through my head that I would have like a piece of paper by my bed and, you know, by morning I'd wake up and of course, you know, my husband's sleeping beside me, so I can't turn on the light. So I'd be writing in the dark. And I, I wake up in the morning and the writing would be like all over the place. And then I'm trying to decipher and remember what it was I wrote down. You know, you're turning the paper this way, this way. It's like, OK, OK, so the sentence kind of curves around this way. But, yeah, I love that idea of the journal because that, that would make it, um, you know, easier to keep all of your thoughts in one place. Mm-hmm. All right. So how can people connect with you, Karen, if they've enjoyed the conversation today and they want to find out more about you and your, your you know, your one-to-one coaching, your book writing journal, how can they find you? Um,
1: best place. Well, I'm, I'm all over social media, either LibraTask, which is L-I-B-R-O-T-A-S, um, websites, LibraTask.com. You'll either find me on say Facebook or Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, you'll find me. Search for Karen Williams Libertas or Karen Williams Book Mentor. You'll find me. But the best place to go is libertas.com. There's a masterclass freebie on there. There's a workbook that can help as well. And of course, my books on Amazon and all other good bookstores. (laughs) What did I say? All other good bookstores. That might be a better way of saying
0: it. So just something I thought of just before we go. Do you know Amazon's doing hardcover now? I do. I do. So I'm like, my brain's already spinning. I'm like, okay. So what I'm actually going to do is release author to authority and hardcover. So I, I'm I'm going to be doing audiobooks, I'm going to be doing hardcover. So we're doing everything right now with my book to walk through the process, figure out all the bugs. And then, you know, that's obviously going to be a service I'm going to offer to my clients. But yeah, I was so excited. I'm like hardcover. It's like, it's about time.
1: Well, the thing is, as authorities in our space, we have to do the things that and see what see what works. So my sixth book, I only launched it audio only. And I learned a huge amount from that process from just doing an audio and not doing a print book. And I know I wouldn't do that again, but it is so, so valuable when it comes to accompanying a print book. This one, you know, the, the planner in the journal, they have to go hardback and they probably have to go A4 at some stage. But I'm getting really great results from people now, but it's in the back of my mind but I'm going away next week to write. So um, I've got book number nine on its way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm just trying to get this newest book out. I already know the next books are going to be, but I'm like, yeah, don't think about it.
1: Not yet, no. It's brilliant to see that it's coming, Kim, so I can't wait to read it.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Karen, for being on the show. Thank you. Karen Williams and Kim Thompson-Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Have a great day and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Author to Authority podcast. I have a free gift that I would love to give you. Coming out this year, I am releasing my book, Author to Authority. And if you are an entrepreneur, solopreneur, small business owner, professional coach or speaker, and you want to find out how to gain visibility and how to build your business bigger, stronger, faster, then I recommend that you download a free sample of the Author to Authority book at www.authortoauthority.com forward slash get dash the dash book. It's going to be a great resource for you that teaches the author to authority concept and the six key areas that you build authority in and how you can use a book to do it all faster. So don't forget, get your free copy today.